Mousetrap. How many of you have played it before? Yeah, it's a fun game. Everybody gets to be a cute little rodent for a little bit. You move around the board, and you're gathering up cheese, and you build this wacky contraption, and it's called a mousetrap. You know, and once, once you build the mousetrap and it's completed, then everybody gets to scurry around the board. And you're trying to avoid the trap while you're trying to trap your opponents. Last mouse on the board wins. You get to be the big cheese, so to speak. So Today what I want to do is talk about a different trap. It's a trap called Temptation. It's been around since the beginning of time, the Garden of Eden. Temptation, friends, is anything but fun. It has the potential to take you out of the game and to mess you up. I want to read part of a uh, letter. And I want you just to listen to a little bit of the the struggle that's here. The writer writes, I'm so full of myself. Why I don't understand, what I don't understand about myself is I decide to do one thing but end up acting another and doing the thing I absolutely despise. I can't seem to be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then I do it. I need something more, a power within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions. I obviously need help and I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I really can't do it. And when I decide not to do bad, then I do it anyway. My decisions don't result in better actions. Sometimes sometimes it gets the better of me every time. And it happens so regularly that it's predictable. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Do you sense desperation in that? I mean, that's a real question. You know, I sense their frustration. Isn't there anyone that can do something for me? I mean, I'd put it in some different language. You know, I'm scurrying around. I know it's a trap. I know it's going to drop. I know the cheese is bait. This is going to end really bad. But it looks so good. I just can't help myself. I mean, such desperation. You know, that, that letter... What's interesting, it's not written by a drug addict or a prostitute or an alcoholic or somebody battling with with gambling addictions. No, this letter was written by the Apostle Paul. In fact, you can read that letter, Romans 7. He's writing to his friends in Rome 2,000 years ago, and that's just some bits and pieces out of of Romans 7. And, And the fact is... As I read that, I think that's the kind of world we live in. We struggle with the temptation trap. Every one of us here today struggles. 
you're never going to be such a great Christian that you stop struggling. You are going to battle that temptation trap your entire life. You know, in fact, that's something you've got to embed in your your brain. The fact is we all live in a world. And as we're moving through this world, temptation traps are all around us. They're all around us. And God's word is full of some good advice of how how do you handle the traps in life? And the first thing that you've got to know is you have to realize there are traps. They're all around you. Everywhere you turn to realize every time you take a step in life and you move through life, you can be trapped if you don't watch. You've got to anticipate it. You've got to expect it. You've got to realize that it truly does exist. You know, it's not a, a sense of, you know, be surprised when it happens. We shouldn't be intimidated by it. But we should be prepared for it in our lives. And it's interesting, I think, when we find ourselves in in traps, and we've all been in traps, by the way, is we usually react very similarly when it happens. I mean, I can think of several ways. Sometimes we're shocked. You know, how in the world could I think something like that? How in the world could I consider something like that? Sometimes we're frustrated. You know, why do I keep hanging around the trap, playing with the trap over and over and over again. What is wrong with me? I'm so weak. And we're just frustrated. And sometimes we get discouraged. And that's when you begin to say, you know, I'll never change. I will always be messing around with this trap. And what is wrong with me? You ever feel those things in your life? I mean, I do from time to time. You know, and I think some of the things we have to understand about the temptation trap is it is not a sin. It's not a sin to be tempted. Sin is when I give in to whatever that temptation is. The Bible says that Jesus, Jesus was tempted in every way. Yet the difference, Jesus was perfect. He never failed. He, he, he never took that, that step of, of sin. You know, it's much like I had someone early in my life told me, you can't stop birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building nests in your hair, you know. And it's like, aha, I get it. You can't stop the evil one from bombarding you with whatever, but you can decide you're not going to dwell there where, where, he, where he's wanting to take you. You know, for instance, have you ever been, don't raise your hand on this, but have you ever been praying and just right in the middle of the prayer, something just off the wall hits your mind, you know, an image, an idea, and and you go, where'd that come from? And then you catch yourself kind of second guessing yourself, you get a little intimidated, you know, you begin to say things like, well, maybe I'm not a good Christian, I mean, that come across my mind i mean maybe i'm not even a christian because a christian wouldn't think that but the bottom line is you will never outgrow temptation you will never outgrow it why because the evil one makes it his practice to tempt us and get this newsflash today we're all human you're all nobody's perfect we we are part of the human race The fact is, we will be tempted. I know that 
for some of us when we first gave our life to Jesus Christ. You think, oh, it'll be easy. No, 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 no. That's, that's when it amps up. I mean, the evil one at that point starts building a very crazy contraption, a temptation trap, and guess what? It's designed just for you, custom built. No, he's not using cheese. And no, he's not trying to capture a mouse. He's trying to capture you. He's trying to capture you. The evil one strategizes. He, he figures out what your vulnerabilities and your weaknesses are. And he has one objective, and that is to catch you. To catch you. To bring the trap down on your life. So what, what do you do? What do you do if we've got these traps all around us? You know, Jesus says in uh, Matthew 26, 41, says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Spirit's willing, but the body's weak. You are in for a game of your life. The stakes are high. The traps, they're all around us. And I want to suggest that you have to be prepared. You have to watch. You have to know that they exist. You know, when, when God speaks to us or gives us an idea, we call it inspiration. When the evil one gets in our head, it's temptation. And, and the question is, which of these things, what are we going to dwell on in our, in our lives? Because we're going to face temptation. The fact is that you have to understand there are seasons in life where things are more intense, where you're a little more vulnerable in, in your life. And it varies. Every one of us, if we went around the room today and we were honest, we would say, you know what, that does change. There are times it's more intense. There's times that I'm more vulnerable. And for each of us, it's something different that puts us in that state. I mean, maybe we're bored or dissatisfied or lonely or tired or under a lot of stress. Sometimes people are more susceptible after great losses in their life or big successes. The fact is, it can trip you up. It can mess you up. And it varies from time to time, but we all have those kind of traps in our lives. And, and I think you have to understand when it's more alluring, uh, when the, the effect is more effective, so to speak, that you have to be prepared, you have to watch out. I read a story about uh, Bobby Lynch, uh, Daredevil. He's the guy that went over Niagara Falls, and he put himself in an orange crate and went over, over the top. I'm thinking, there's something not quite right uh, about somebody that wants to do that. But what's interesting is, here's this daredevil, goes over, over the, the falls in the crate. The next day after he did that, he slipped on an orange peel and broke his leg. And the fact is, I want to suggest you have to pay attention, and you have to pay attention to the little things, the, the subtle things, because the evil one is strategizing, and what he wants to do is trap you, and he wants to trap me. You have to realize there are traps, and the second thing that you have to understand is that you play a part in it. You play a part in it. The, the game of mousetrap, to me, is a bit bizarre, because what, what we're doing, I mean, it, it just seems crazy, but you're building a mousetrap. As you move around, you're building this trap so that you can 
catch yourself or your opponent. And, and I'm thinking, well, who, do, who does this? You know, I think I'll build a trap and maybe I'll catch myself. You know, I mean, it doesn't make sense, but in real life, that's exactly what happens. In real life, we have this temptation trap and you have to understand you help build it. You help build the trap. Without you, there is no trap. You know, most of the time when, when I have found myself captured, I realize I help build the trap. That, you know, I mean, what we want to do, I want to blame God. I want to blame other people. I want to blame the evil one. You know, people say the devil made me do it. And that's kind of our norm. But the fact is the evil one can't really tempt me if I don't cooperate with him. You know, James 1, 14 says, Temptation is the pull of your own evil thoughts and wishes. These evil thoughts lead to evil actions. Key mechanism in this trap of life is your desire, my desire. The contraption doesn't work, it doesn't function unless I act on my desires. You know, unless I am willing to take that step. For instance, I have never had a desire in my life to sniff glue or butane or or cleaners. I'll just be honest with you, it just sounds terrible. And it has no allure to me. It's, It's not inviting. And so it's never tempted me. That wouldn't be an area that I was tempted. Now, I could run off areas where that would not be the case, but... The fact is, that is not a potential trap for me because I don't have a desire that way. And you have to understand that about yourself, is where are your desires? What are you susceptible to? Again, being tempted, not a sin. In fact, struggling with temptation is not a sin. It's only a sin when we act on the temptation. When you act on it. When you step over, when you make that move, then you got to own it. you got to understand your part. And, and I know, as I say that, it kind of flies in the face of our society. I mean, popular opinion, when it comes to, to temptation and, you know, stepping over the lines, is we really prefer to be a, a, a society that says, you know what, I don't have to take responsibility. I mean, people, people just back away from it. Instead of saying, you know what, I made a decision, I was wrong, it was my fault, people go, well, so-and-so caused it. You know, the government, it's the government's problem. It's media. Media is causing all this. It's, it was my parents. It was my parents. No, it was my school. No, it's genetics, it's environment, or whatever. And the fact is, again, most of the problems in my life I've brought into my life. I helped build the trap. I made a decision to step into the space, and I got captured. Boom. And the same is true for you. The fact is, we set ourselves up because we're part of it. And I believe you never find freedom until you stop fixing a blame And you start trying to fix the problem. You know, you stop trying to blame other people and you just say, you know what? I'm going to own my part. I'm going to own my part in this. 
You know, if you continue to, to blame everyone else, you ought to get ready because what's going to happen is resentment and bitterness and guilt and anger and fear and frustration are going to increase. And whatever it is that's causing you pain, that's messing you up, is going to be prolonged in, in your life. You know, I hear people, they, they try and blame God for things. You know, I've, I've had people come to me through the years, and, and I find it very tragic, but they'll say things like, you know what, God told me to leave my wife. And I'll usually kind of listen to the story, and, and then I'll go, would you mind telling me where that's at in the Bible? And then they'll fire back and they'll go, well, you know, I'm, I met her at church. Oh, oh, that's different. You know, the fact is God never contradicts his word. God is through and through. A common excuse I hear from people, they'll they'll say things like, well, God wants me to be happy. And yeah, sure, God wants you to be happy. But more importantly, he wants you to be holy in your life. And I would argue that you will never truly find happiness in your life if you ignore God's will, if you're pushing God to, to, to the sidelines in life. You know, the, God's principles and precepts and his word are here to not make your life miserable. I think to give you fullness of life, to give you abundant life, to, to pave the path so that you can have happiness. So you've got to own your part, and I want to suggest you've got to ask for God's help. You've got to ask for God's help. God has a 24-hour hotline available to you. Anytime, anywhere, any moment, he is willing and waiting to help you. And get this, God's not, not blown away by whatever your temptation is. You know, God doesn't go, whoo, didn't see that coming. You've you got to be kidding me. What's going on? No, God's not surprised. He already knows. And basically, God just wants you to admit that you're in a battle, that that you see the traps around you, that you know that you're helping build those traps because of your your desires in your life. And I tried to figure out, why don't we ask God for help? Why why is it? I mean, we see the traps. We, We could all name traps this morning and go, yeah, that's one waiting to get me. But why don't we ask for God's help? I mean, I would argue one of a couple things. One, we don't want God's help. You know, we know it's wrong. We know it's bad. We know it's a trap. We know it's set for us. We know what is at stake. But we want what we want. We want it anyway. And so basically, we just don't ask because we plan on jumping in. Sometimes I think we don't ask because we're embarrassed. You know, we, we keep stumbling around this board of life and, and we don't want to go to God and go, it's me again. Yeah, same thing. I know, I've been here a thousand times, but I'm still struggling. And so we're embarrassed and so we don't ask for help. We don't ask God to, to assist us in it. You know, we, we just struggle. And I want to say to you, don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed God will always help you in your life. He will always help you no matter what it is. You know, unlike human beings, uh, God's forever patient with you. God's love is everlasting. His compassions endure forever. I mean, we sing about that almost every Sunday of how great God is. Hebrew writer writes, Jesus had the same temptations we go through. 
yet he never once gave in and sinned. So let us come boldly to God and find grace, read with me, to help us in our time of need. Don't be embarrassed. Jesus knows what you're going through. Whatever it is, you know, we could name our stuff today. Jesus gets it because he's been there. You know, because Jesus has been there and he's had the same temptations, he understands us. And I know as I'm saying that, for some of you, that's like a new insight into to Christ. And you're going, well, you mean Jesus was tempted to lie? Yes. Jesus w- was tempted to be arrogant? Yes. You know, Jesus was tempted to be angry? You bet. You know, Jesus was tempted sexually? You bet. But he never took the step. You know, I'm sure that stuff flashed through his mind. There were times that he got pressed. But the difference is Jesus never gave in. But it also means Jesus can sympathize with me. I mean, when you read through Scripture, it says Jesus gets what you're going through. And here's the great thing. The fact that Jesus didn't take a step, he didn't sin, that's good news because it means he's going to show us how to escape. I mean, how to, how to get out in our life. I think sometimes we don't ask God because, I mean, we're Americans, and we rely on a thing called willpower. I'll just tough it out. You know, willpower will be enough. I can get through. I, 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 I. I can do it. And friends, I'll tell you what. Willpower is a good thing. But it only gets you so far. It only works for a little while. It's not permanent. It's not enough. You need extra power in your life. You know, the psalmist, Psalms 50, writes, Then call on me when you are in trouble, God says, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. 911 call. I call them microwave prayers. They're not long, they're not planned out, they're not systematic, they're not very theological. But the fact is, when you're tempted, I want to suggest you just move to the point. You know, mayday, mayday, you know, code blue, red alert, SOS, or whatever. Again, not the most theological prayer you'll ever pray, but it does work. You know, those moments when you catch, get caught off guard. Ask God for help. Ask God for help. And get this, don't play the game alone. Don't play the game alone. Don't go through life alone. Don't face those traps alone. I want to suggest that you find someone close to you, a close friend, and you just admit the struggle. You don't need to admit it to everyone. You definitely don't need to go on like Jerry Springer and and go, hey, here's my secret, you know. I mean, just find a close, mature, that's important, mature Christian friend that you can trust, that loves you, that accepts you, that is willing to pray for you, because you need support. You need a network in your life. You need other people in the game. You can't go it alone. And I know as I'm talking right now, some of you are playing another just game that will mess you up. And you're sitting there going, well, I don't need like a support group because 
I don't really struggle with anything. And you know what I want to say to people when, when I hear that? I don't, but I want to go, are you high or something? Are you crazy? Are you kidding me? Do you really think I believe that? You know why we don't share our problems with someone else? Pride. Pride. P-R-I-D-E. Pride. Pride. It's fueled by our insecurities. And friends, I have figured out there's something very freeing in life when I realize that other people are struggling with the same temptations that I struggle with in my life. There's something very freeing about that. I'm not alone. You know, Paul writes, he says, no testing is overtaking you that's not common to everyone. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing... He will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. I find that encouraging. You know, being embarrassed about whatever our sin or our struggle is, is not new news. It's old hat. You know, many of us, we could go around the room and talk about the traps that we've either been in or been close to getting in. And we'd go, you know what, we're in in the boat together. You know, God wants to help you, and God wants us to help each other. That's what it means to be a church. You know, James 5, uh, James writes, he says, Admit your sins to each other so that what? You may be healed. Now, I find it interesting. It doesn't say that you should admit it to a priest. It doesn't say you should admit it to a pastor or, or a counselor. I mean, all those things may help. But it doesn't say that. It says to each other. We need to share with each other so that we can be healed. That's where healing is found. You know, you don't repress it. You confess it. You don't conceal it. You begin to reveal it. And that is a prerequisite to healing. And there are, there are three basic benefits, I think, when you find someone that you can share with. One, you begin to gain control. By sharing, because as you share your problem with someone, it it always helps. You get control on that. It it reminds you. You get encouraged in the midst of it. If you have a hang-up or you know some secret thing that you're wanting to bury, I can tell you a couple things. If you're not sharing with someone, one, it is out of your control big time. It is swirling and you don't have any control over it and ultimately you will get trapped you will get trapped you know so a a piece of getting control is sharing and the other benefit is it relieves a lot of stress in your life you know when you begin to reveal a, a struggle or a habit it begins to liberate you because you can go wow there are other people that battle this i never knew that other people felt like that And you just begin to watch the stress go down and it provides for you some support and accountability in life. And you need both. We live in this mousetrap world and we need the support of one another. We need the encouragement of other people. You know, some some of you right now, you're just, you're playing around with some trap and you're going, I'm not going to share it with anyone. You know, I'll fix it myself. Besides, you know, I mean, I'm a Christian, and Christians shouldn't struggle with this stuff. 
And friends, you know, I don't know who you are today, but what I want to say to you is God's going, you will not make it if you're going to do it alone. You will not get through. Quit playing games with yourself. You need other people in your life so that you can avoid the traps, so that you can avoid those traps. Is that tough to do? Sure. Is it humbling? You bet it is. But it's where we find strength. It's where we find healing in our life. James says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I mean, humble yourself. Get help. Don't go it alone because you're not going to make it. And then avoid the cheese wheel. That's that part right there in the game, right under the trap. When you're playing this game, there is one place on the board you do not want to be, and it's at the cheese wheel. It's the one place that you are definitely in danger of getting trapped. And just a little winning strategy, if you decide to play this game, stay away from the cheese wheel. I mean, again, how many of you played the game? Do you remember, I mean, when I was a kid, and we'd play the game, and you would start getting kind of close to the cheese wheel, you'd start counting spaces. You'd go, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, good. I'm good on this roll. And you'd roll. And then you'd, like, get a four. And you'd move it forward. And then you'd do the ridiculous. One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three. Anything before, anything before, anything before. Please, 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 no four, no four. And if, if you rolled a six, it was like, whew, I'm good for another turn. You know, and the fact is, you wanted to be as far away from the cheese wheel. Why? Because it was the only safe place. It was the only safe place. You couldn't get trapped if you were away from the cheese wheel. And in life, friends, it's just common sense to stay away from the cheese wheel. You know, I've said before, if you don't want to get stung, don't play in a beehive. You don't want to get burned, don't play with fire. And it's the same in life. You don't want to get messed up. You don't want to get tripped up. You don't want to get trapped. Stay as far away as you can. The goal, and, the, and I know this, this goes against society too, most of society says, I'm going to see how close to temptation I can get without getting hurt. And friends, the goal is, how far away from that thing can I get? That's the goal in life. That's the winning strategy in life. Proverbs 14:16 says, the wise stay away from evil, but the foolish are arrogant and careless. The wise stay away. A fool says, I can handle it. Who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? You need to identify the cheese wheel. Now, we all have different cheese wheels in here. And you've got to identify it. And then you've got to decide when and where you're the most tempted. And you have to stay away from those environments. You know, it may be when you're traveling that you have to put the guards up, or when you're at someone else's home, or after school, or when you're out with a group of friends, or, you know, a parked car, or the weekends, you know, whenever you're alone, you have to decide where that place is that you're the most tempted, and it's different for all of us. The Bible says be aware and run from it. Run from it. Get away as fast as you can. 
You know, Proverbs 119.59 says, I thought about the wrong direction in which I was headed and turned around and came running back to you, back to God. Practical advice, just a little heads up. Do not argue with the evil one. You know why? You will always lose. You will always lose. The fact is, when you're being tempted, you have to run. You know, if, if you're on a diet, and you're like walking around the mall, you do not go hang out at Cinnabon, right? Seriously, you don't even get a couple stores from Cinnabon, but you don't stand in front of Cinnabon and look at those fresh-baked rolls and smell the cinnamon, smell it baking, and you don't sit there and go, I don't want any of those. Nope, nope, don't want any. Who are you kidding? You turn around and run. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Ephesians 4.27 says, don't give the devil a foothold. You know, don't hang around the cheese wheel. It will trap you before it's over. And one last thing, you got to move ahead in your life. you got to move ahead. God always gives you a way to avoid the trap. God always gives you a way to move ahead in your life. And part of that is claiming God's promises. You know, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10th chapter, he says, No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing... Here we go. He will always provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. That's God's promise. You know, through the years, you know, people will say to me when when the trap falls, and they'll say things like, you know, Damon, I I just couldn't help myself. I, I just couldn't resist. I had no choice but to give in. Friends, if you believe that, you're buying a lie. You're buying a lie it's straight, straight from hell. I mean, God always gives you a way out. God always gives you a way to move ahead in, in your life. I mean, it may be difficult. It, it may be uh, painful. It, it may be tough. It, it may make you sweat. And you may be afraid. It may be even embarrassing. But there's always a way out and there's always a way to move ahead. You know, the evil one is always battling for your mind, and that's where the battle is won and lost. It's in it's in our minds. You know, when again, when God gives you an idea, it's inspiration. And when the evil one gives you an idea, it's temptation. And you have to decide where you're gonna focus. In fact, I want to argue that you take when temptation hits, you replace it with God's word. You spend time in God's word. One of my favorite passages, Romans 12, 1 and, 1 and 2, says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. It says, do not, what? Be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind and discern what, it, what is God's will for your life, what's good, acceptable and perfect. God says, 
change your thinking. Change your thinking. I'll give you the strength. You don't have to be conformed to this world. You can be transformed. You know, Philippians 4.13, let's read it together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you believe that? God says, I'll give you the strength. If you read through Jesus, uh, as he's just getting ready to go into ministry, he's tempted three times out in the wilderness. It's called the Great Temptations. And it's interesting because every time he's tempted, he turns around and he quotes Scripture. And I always thought that was odd. I was like, who does that? And then I realized Jesus was modeling for us how we can deal with the problems and the, and the, the temptations in life. And that's turned to God's word. Now, I didn't finish Paul's letter. Paul goes on. We'll pick up where, where we left off. He goes, I tried everything and nothing helped. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does help. He acts to set things right in the life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin and do something totally different. Here's the good news. This is starting chapter 8. We no longer have to live under the continuous low-lying cloud of condemnation. There is no condemnation. A new power is an operation. The spirit of life in Christ has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you for a lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and temptation. God went for the juggler when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with your problem as something remote or unimportant. In his son Jesus, he personally took on the human condition. He entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. Traps are all around us. And I want to suggest to you, it's not a program that's going to get you through, but it's a person, person to Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus gives us the ability to avoid the trap. So the next time you're playing the game, don't get trapped. God gives you a way for that not to happen in your life. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, we know that there are traps all around us. And God, I pray that we would pay attention, that we would be aware. And God, I pray that we'd turn to you that we'd turn to a brother or sister. God, we'd look for that way out. We'd run. God, forgive us when we fail. And I thank you that you loved us so much that even when we do get trapped, 
You're there to free us, to clean us up, to put us back on the path. God, I pray that um, the words of our mouth, the steps in our life, that we'd always seek to be pleasing in your sight. We give you the glory and we give you the praise this day and every day. Amen.